Welcome to the HSCT Warriors Podcast, bringing voice to the journeys of HSCT Warriors worldwide. I'm Dr. Jen Stansberry Koenig, or Zen Jen, and so grateful to share this story with you. As we continue to grow the HSCT Warrior community, illuminate the invisibilities of autoimmune disease, recognize the possibilities of a future free from disease progression, connect through our shared experiences, and advocate for an inclusive society. We're so glad you've joined us. How are you? I'm doing well this morning. How are you, Allie Strong? I'm good. I am doing very well. Thank you. It's nice to reconnect with you. And I know we feel like astonishment at each season opener, but season 10, gee whiz. I know. It's amazing. I'll be recording my 100th episode in this season. That's a humongous accomplishment. Oh, my God. I think so. Yeah. To be very part-time with this. And, I mean, a 10th season sounds like it's, right, been running for a long time. And even the five years, four years, five years, five years it's been running. It is a long time. It is a long time. Definitely. I'm just grateful that so many people are willing to share their story. Yeah, it's amazing. And how many people have found that this has been helpful? I was just going to ask you, out of all the stories that you've recorded, have you found more have had success than none? Well, it's interesting to see, like, top three episodes are pretty consistent over time, like over the last couple years, which makes sense that, you know, we wouldn't have a huge jump and maybe like a new number one. But right. just a couple weeks ago, I checked in with SoundCloud, which is where I host the podcast. So this is just one platform. And I don't know. I don't know how to compile all the stats across all the platforms where you can find the podcast. So this number is not reflective, I think, of everyone who's listening. But there were 800 people who listened that one week. Wow. Oh, oh my on one platform. I'm like, what? That's amazing. It's It just completely blows my mind. That's so amazing. Wow. And so great that that many people are finding out about HSCT just in one week. Absolutely. Right? I mean, if even if that's the only fantastic outcome is that that many people are just learning about it. That's right. I mean, not everyone will decide to go through HSCT, and that's fine. That's okay, but at least it's getting out there and people are learning about it as an option as before. You know, when we went through it, nobody knew about it. No one. No one. We didn't know about it until we did. Exactly. And, And finding out about it was so difficult, and now, you know, you're making it you're making it so, you know, so many people around the world can find out about it. So how did you come to find out about HSCT? Remind us. I found out about it because I was I was at the end of my rope and and my options were not really I didn't really have any more left at the time because my JC level was so high that none of the medications at the time were on the table for me. Mm. Ocrevus was just coming out. It was really um, at the point that it was just about to be released. And it was just too new. Yeah. So it was Tysabri and Tecfidera. I couldn't do Tysabri because of my JC. Right. And Lemtrada, my doctor said, I won't touch you with Lemtrada because I think it's going to destroy you. And aren't you grateful that your doctor knew at least that much? Absolutely. I was so grateful. And um, the other options on the table for the oral medications that were, it just, it wasn't, I didn't have options. And so I couldn't continue on with Rebif or Avonex because, excuse me, 
that was what I had come off of because of all of the side effects that I had had that had made me so much worse. Right. That was the whole point. And so I kind of went home thinking, well, at this point, it's they're telling me that I'm one major attack away from full paralysis in a feeding tube and there's nothing I can do. So I have to just do my own research at that point. And I did. I just started looking and looking and, you know, and in that, you know, Jen, I will say this over the last year, I've really, you know, gotten away from social media for the most part. Mm, That's healthy. (laughs) And, but at that time that at that time, it was the power of social media. That is where I found it. Mm. I believe it was through Facebook somewhere along there. I found something about this transplant that was being done at the time I read an article about something being done in Israel. And again, experimental, but something. And then I just started reading more and seeing that it was being done in these other countries. And at the time, you know, my daughter was in high school and I was a single mother and going to those places wasn't an option for me as a single mom. Well, no. And having to travel that far and take that much Um, time off. And also financially, I was like, how am I going to pull this off? So I just started doing the more research and the more, and that was something that I was really good at was research. (laughs) Um, I'd always been good at that. And so through, you know, constant just digging and digging and digging, I found, I got to, to Chicago. I found, you know, this doctor who kind of wrote the protocol and was doing these trials and compassionate basis treatment. And he was the pioneer of this procedure, you know, that was, that he started in, in his research as in a fellowship, I guess, you know, over 25 years ago. 35. Started, yeah. Well, yeah. Right. At but the at the time, time, at the time. And I, and I just, again, did more research on Dr. Burt and where he came from, where he started his, you know, you know, this procedure that was being done for like, I, you know, correct me if I'm wrong. I believe he was working with the doctor at the time was doing it for cancer or blood cancer or blood diseases. And, and he said, you know, Hey, why don't we, you know, why can't this be done for MS patients or autoimmune autoimmune conditions? And the guy's like, you know, Hey, you want to go research it? Go for it. (laughs) And so I remember reaching out to Chicago and that's how it all kind of started. Mm. And, and after that, feeling like for the majority of my life, I never had cards fall into my deck, never lined up. And from that moment forward, finding Dr. Burt, it was like every card, every card just fell, fell right into my deck Mm. from there. And that's, and that's, that's how it went. That's fantastic. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Quite a stroke of luck. And unfortunate in some way in that you have to find out about it through social media. Surely people are still only learning about it through social media or the podcast. Right. Right. I don't know. I don't know that I've heard even recently that many neurologists are talking about it. I would imagine not. I mean, I haven't seen any, so I don't know, but, but I don't, think from the people that I've come across, even over the last few years, I haven't heard that it's, you know, in the mainstream yet. So the MS Society just interviewed Dr. Burt last week. And have well, that's, a, that's, a, that's a far cry from several years ago. Correct. And wow. now have published information on their website. Finally. That's huge. About HSCT. It's uh, huge. I can't wait to listen to the interview. I haven't listened to the whole entire thing yet, but gee whiz. 
Wow. That's major because they were very non-supportive. You know, years ago when we were going through it, they were not supportive at all. Correct. I would say not supportive until maybe the beginning of this year. Yeah. (laughs) So it's great to see advancements in, in that regard. And so how are you feeling? Um, physically, I'm pretty good. Um, I have not gone for my five-year MRI yet. You know, I'm still living in Key West, and I go back to Philadelphia for my MRIs because mm. I, try, I try to go to the same um, facility. Yeah, same machine. Machines. And so I won't be going home probably till March. So that's when I'll get my five-year follow-up. And um, I've made a decision this year um, to get the gadolinium, I decided, Hmm. which is, you know, I decided I want to get that this year. Um, I have not had it for the last four years, five years, four years. I think I had it the first MRI out. Right, like six months out. And then I did not have it again. And I decided to have it on this five-year mark. And the reason I've decided to do that is because, you know, Dr. Burt had said, you know, at least what I remember in my conversations with him was, you know, to do MRIs for five years. And then if you're still in remission, you don't really have to, it's your choice whether you want to continue or not, but you don't really have to, according to his protocol after transplant. And I've decided that on the five-year mark of doing my last one at this time, I decided to go with the gadolinium because I want the clearest possible picture after all these years because I have had a lot of headaches. Hmm. Uh, Over the last year, I struggled with a lot of migraines, and I actually don't think it's related. I think it's a lot of issues that I've had with my neck which I've been trying to get Mm. massages and I've been going for acupuncture and I've had some x-rays done, but because I don't know for sure what's going on and I've had enough of them and because some of the issues have caused numbness in my feet and hands that I decided that if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do it with gadolinium to make sure I have the clearest images Mm. and that if things going to light up. I want to see it. Sure. Sure. So the risks of the gadolinium for me, you know, the benefits outweigh the risks to me. Sure. Yeah. We've talked about that in the past a bit. Oh, um, you know, I, for me, when we first came out of this, there was so much discussion on, you know, what the gadolinium issues. Detox. And, yeah detoxing and this and that. And I have to say, Jen, you know, when I went into this process, my body was so pure. Um, I conditioned myself and I had been living so clean and pure for years leading up to that. That's how I the disease. And since the transplant, you know, even the first, you know, couple of years after I still was like that. But in the last few years, I think I've, I've, release some of that, um, quote unquote craziness for myself. Mm. I had really gotten to a place where it was just, it had overtaken me and my mental state had really, has really, really suffered. My, I, my mental health has just suffered, um, you know, because of it you know, eating disorders. And um, I don't know if I'd say eating disordered versus disordered eating. Mm, Sure. I would say more. Um, And I, you know, I'm not by any means a specialist, you know, being a certified health coach does not make me a specialist on any means of eating. But for me, disordered eating is a term I would use for myself more than an eating disorder, just because I get tripped up on the confusions of, you know, all the quote unquote experts out there on, you know, this diet, that diet, this fad, that fad, this trend, that trend, and, you know, eat meat, don't eat meat, eat dairy, don't eat dairy. 
you know, eat lectins, don't eat lectins, eat this, don't eat this, eat this much protein, don't eat this much protein. And I have gone down more rabbit holes than I can count. I've studied more studies than I can count. And they all have validity, every one of them. And I got so lost in it all over the years that my orthorexia just went out of control and my mental health went out of control. And so I can say at this point, I've had to loosen the reins enough that I had to learn. I'm, I'm in the process of learning how to relax those things and try to live life with more acceptance of moderation. And um, it's not easy. No. But every day I try. Which is so important. I have I, 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 my friends at work, the, the young the young ones at work, they always tease me like, because I work at a, an organic cafe and, and market in here in Key West. And they're always like, you know, what are you going to have today? And I'm like, well, I look at the smoothies and I'm like, I know you're not going to get that smoothie because it has too much fruit for you. Or you're not going to have that because it has too many dates for you. Or, you know, and dates and have trying, a lot of sugar. <laughs> they do, you know, and. And I'm trying to balance, you know, where I'm, I'm still trying to work with my mind to learn moderation and control over my mental health with it, because it, it really did kind of take me down for a long time. Well, you had and, so many different patterns, right? And habits and yes. like thinking patterns ingrained yes in your everyday way of being just to like eat food, which is a basic human need, right? So there's a lot of untangling to do. Exactly. So that's, that's really where the whole, that's where the decision to have the gadolinium came in was, you know, the benefits to me to see the clearest images at this point for me outweigh any risk. I need this for me more than I worry about the, the, you know, having to detox after it. Sure. I'll deal with that. I'll deal with that if I have to deal with that or if any, if I, if any issues come up, I've never had issues from gadolinium in the past for me, but I'll worry about that at a later date. That makes so, total sense. Me more peace of mind. And that's what I need. Yeah. So from a physical standpoint, aside from that, um, just learning to, you know, we had talked about this, I believe, on the last time we spoke. Of, you know, I think it was more menopause has done a number on me right. in the last couple of years of really changing how my body has functioned. Um, and everybody goes through a different bout. You know, there are people that I, I'm so envious <laughs> of people that go through menopause and have really they kind of glide through with not many symptoms. I was not one of those people. So it really hit me quite hard and, uh, you know, five years in and I'm still struggling with some of those issues. So sure. you were going to, I think, see a specialist of sorts last yeah, time we spoke. I have, I have seen a few people and yet still haven't found really the, the greatest Avenue and, um, seeing another person in the, in coming weeks and hopefully we'll find the right form of hormone therapy that works for me and you know we'll do better but either way um overall doing you know good and uh for the most part feeling good so i wouldn't say i can complain about anything Hmm. because everything that i do have i just you know work in different ways Right. You're the type of person to really reflect and find something to learn from whatever it is that you're going through. Yeah. And things that I couldn't do before, you know, if I could, you know, I was a, I was a big, you know, really big exercise person or, you know, I was a really big person that loved to lift weights and do things like that. I can't do that anymore. My body just won't allow it. My neck issues just won't allow me to do it. So I find different ways. Just work around it. So keep going. Keep moving forward. Yeah. 
keep going and find new ways. And you just, you just keep moving forward and finding the gratitude for what you have. That's such a great reminder. Yeah. So are there any tough decisions that you're facing at this time? Um, yeah, I've had some tough decisions for sure. Um, you know, this would be, you know, obviously this is a, this is vulnerability at its best. <laughs> right. Thank you for trusting our space. Yeah. Vulnerability at its best. I, I have, you know, I've said this before, the transplant did wonders for my physical body. Um, it really, really miraculously did wonders for me. I feel like one of the luckiest people that got so much better from the transplant because not only did it stop my progression, it really did reverse some of the worst symptoms that I had. Mm. And, you know, some of the little things are still there, but I've been able to improve so much. And at the same time, I think one of the things that wasn't talked about or maybe wasn't known, you know, maybe that's a better thing to say. Mm. Maybe it wasn't known was that a mental health piece of the puzzle. My mental health got much worse over the years. I don't know if it had to do with that or if it was just the way life has gone for the last five years. I'm not really sure. Yeah. Maybe it's just the menopause. You know, it could very much be because the more I've researched menopause, the more I've learned that's a huge factor in Mm. it also is mental health. So it could be both. I don't know, but that I would say that that is the biggest hurdle and struggle that I have had to go through, which is one of the reasons that I had to, pull myself out of social media. You know, I still have, so I still have accounts. I still have an Instagram and I still have Facebook. Sure. Um, I don't, I don't think I have been active on Facebook for a very long time. Instagram. I periodically will, you know, drop a story in, you know, I'll drop a, you know, a quote or picture my dogs or, uh, but myself, you know, I used to put myself on there a lot talking and, you know, parts of my coaching stuff, but I have not put myself on there for, I don't even know how long it's been. It's been a long time. Um, How does that feel? Feels good. Mm -hmm. I just, I'm just, I've thought about many times I've wrestled with the thought of wanting to go back to use my voice for that space of mental health, because I think it is as much as the world has accepted Putting mental health out there and it's becoming more and more accepted to talk about. I still think it's not enough for what's going on in the world. We all have a voice to use and say, sorry about the dogs. They oh my gosh, yours. my dogs. They, are, right. I know they hear yours and then they start. <laughs> <laughs> um, I still think that everybody has a voice to use for that. And so because of my own struggles with it, I've thought about going back and using that space for the good instead of the evil that social media can be. Mm. Um, one of the things I did with with my Instagram was to really, really, really clean it up. I unfollowed and got rid of everything that didn't serve me. So every influencer that was negative to me or didn't positively impact my life. Mm. Um, things that just didn't serve me celebrity things like it, those don't have a place in my life anymore. And my feed is only filled with body positive influencers or health and wellness, menopause, mental health, you know, things that lift me up when I see it. And things that I can learn from and then teach. So that's a really great strategy. That's, that's what I have chosen to do and continue to, you know, cause the algorithms of social media oh. are constantly sticking things in there that you 
don't want. So I'm always changing it and making sure that when I do decide to go into it, that what I see is only what I want to see that makes me feel good and nothing that starts to make me feel bad because that's what was happening. You know, I was never one to do that compare and despair, but because my mental health was struggling, I was doing it. Mm. I was seeing things and saying, well, why can't I do that? Why aren't I good enough for that? Why? And I was having so much imposter syndrome that I just said, I've got to get out of this space. I've got to remove myself completely. So I did for a long time. And now that I can go into it in, in a safe space, and I think that's something that people really, really need to do with social media. Um, and I wish that that's something that younger, the younger generation would realize is, you know, there's good and evil about it. There mm-hmm. is a lot of good for social media. But we have to remember that what we see is a snippet of someone's highlighted reel and what goes into it and the content creators, you know, they're amazing today. Mm. Absolutely amazing. But the amount of time it takes to put into, you know, a 30 second reel we see, you know, I remember talking to somebody not that long ago whose friend is a big content creator and he was telling me that for, you know, this amazing, like 30 second reel that was on Instagram, it took him like four hours to create. Wow. And, you know, we don't see that behind the scenes work. We no. see this little clip and we're comparing our lives to those things. And we can't do that. And feeling compelled to right? right, put our own four hours worth of work into 30 seconds. And not everyone has that kind of time. No. It's deciding, you know, where we go with life and, and what, where we are and what we want to do. And so I think that's been my biggest thing for 2023, starting out this year, is the acceptance of where my life is today and accepting it instead of fighting myself against it. That's a very healthy mindset to start the year out with. So I'm sorry. My dogs are so ridiculous. That's okay. Mine's just reacting to yours. <laughs> and mine can't hear yours. They're literally just either barking at the skunks that have been prowling the neighborhood while well, they're nocturnal. So it can't be them or my neighbor down the street. Who's decided to walk her dog or across the street. Who's getting his mail. <laughs> Or a delivery driver, or the mail per like the mail person that drives down the any car that drives down the street, it's gotten out of hand, and we have the bark collars that beep. Yeah, and the dog that's barking now does not like the beep, so it works for him. But the other dog isn't phased by it, and she'll just bark through it. So she's the instigator, and she'll see something and bark once, and get the other dog barking. Right, And of course, I forgot to put the bark collars on before I came up. So that's why we can hear them. That's okay. But you know what? That's the thing about this is that it's real life. And sometimes that comes into play and it's okay. Right. Thank you. Thank you for that grace. I'm hopeful that listeners will even extend grace this season because I'm anticipating. I picked up another class to teach that just started last week. And so that lasts through May, which is longer than the season intends to be. And I don't know how many people out there are like willing to share their story. We don't have as many applications for podcast interviews. So if anyone's listening and interested in an interview, certainly apply and we'll reach out. But it would be maybe beneficial for my time to just intermittently release new episodes without the pressure of having one every Wednesday. Right. So I'm giving myself that space and grace, at least for this season. That's good. That's good. How are you doing? I'm well. I'm quite well. And (laughs) proud of my immune system for battling whatever illness it was back in November, right around Thanksgiving. And I'm finally feeling like much better 
so that's that's nice, especially this time of year in the cold, damp winter. And yeah, I think I've just continued to say yes to things and at the same time been very dedicated to carving out the time for taking care of myself and making sure that I exercise every morning. Mm-hmm. Working back into the foot baths, I finally started with my sauna. So I never used to sweat. Like I, d- I did sweat when I took hot yoga classes before I was diagnosed. And then people told me, oh, you have to stop practicing hot yoga because sweating is bad for you with MS. Well, maybe for some people it is. Right. <laughs> right. For me, the cold is terrible. For me, That's how I, the cold I, was all worse. Yeah. I mean, I, I seize up and I get stiff and my joints ache, mm-hmm. which yeah. honestly, I started eating vegan in October, mid-October, and have been feeling phenomenal. That's great. So much more energy. I'm sleeping better, like feeling amazing, not eating meat. Now, again, I'm unique, right? Like that may not work for so many people. It's not really working out for my husband or my daughter because they'll go out to eat occasionally when I have like when I'm teaching a class or have a a meeting at in the evening. And, you know, they're always going for whatever meat they can. Yeah. So I think that's definitely contributed to my overall well being, but also really winding down around nine o'clock, nine thirty p.m. to get ready mm-hmm. for bed, unplugging, not paying attention to social media has been amazing. Um so yeah, just really tending to resting well and at least twice a week working in the foot baths or the saunas to just sweat and detox continue with the detox. Yeah. I think my joints feel better. Um I have more energy. Drinking more water, <laughs> which is always so important. So, yeah, it feels like even though I have a lot more responsibilities on my plate, I'm able to juggle them more easily or fluidly, like titrate between responsibilities. So, maybe it was Monday or Monday. I worked four different jobs. <laughs> wow. Right. But, like, from the comfort of my own home, right? But, like, in my brain, I have to switch gears from interviewing Dr. Burt, which was amazing, to meeting with students to prep for tonight in class or the nonprofit slash LLC slash startup, whatever it is we're creating. We've got a big partner meeting next week. And then um, the roundtable coaching of educational leaders that I support. I had lunch with someone yesterday to just support them where they are in their career And then evaluating these grant projects. So like the other day, I was supposed to go to the school to meet with this group. But I had a meeting immediately after that for two hours on Zoom. And I'm like, I don't want to have to miss that. So I'm going to ask the school for the virtual link and just call in. And I'm grateful people are willing to be flexible. Mm -hmm. Right. And I'm grateful that COVID kind of helped people become more comfortable with that virtual capacity because it allows me to then juggle a lot more and honor the commitments I've made. Yeah. You're very busy, but sounds like you're managing it in the way that works the best for you. Right. Where I can still occasionally like tonight I'll have class until six 30, but I usually don't start working until 10 ish. And then I'm through sometimes four five o'clock so six or seven hour days yeah but working multiple jobs which is crazy to think (laughs) right like yeah it's what works but it's what works and keeps you going and it gives you your purpose and well and everything I'm spending my time doing I enjoy yeah which is lovely that's so important there isn't a day I wake up and I dread what it is that's on my calendar. That's huge. Oh my gosh. That's definitely the biggest thing. Seriously. I mean, there were times, especially working at the university. I mean, I loved being on campus and meeting 
lots of people and having conversations, but the doldrum of having to wake up every day and get to campus at a certain time so that you're, you know, accountable to then kind of just sit around and wait for work or wait for meetings or interact with people in between and answer questions. And then before you know it, you're exhausted and it's five o'clock and then it's time to go home. Right. And so, yeah, I'm grateful for this hybrid space that the world is becoming more accustomed to because I can also connect with people around the world. Absolutely. It's amazing. So good. So thanks for asking. I want to ask why it was important for you to participate today in the podcast and why you uh, are so graciously accepting always my invitation to host every season opener. Um, well, first and foremost, because, because it's you. (laughs) (laughs) We're bonded. Because I think we're bonded, um, from the experience of one, what we went through and from this series of seasons. And that I think that it's always nice for people to hear the same person's journey. I think that's very cool that to hear one person's journey all the way through and the, the ups and downs, the ebbs and flows that come and go. I think that's, that's cool. That's a cool thing to hear. Oh, I do too. And I think it's why your first, our first season opener is in the top three most listened to podcasts. That's great. That's awesome. Right? Like maybe people get introduced to it and then they're like, okay, wait, I have to go back to the beginning. Yeah, it's very cool. So, you know, I, I, I'm so grateful that you, that you always come back and ask me to do it. And I, (laughs) I love that. Like for as long as this goes on, I'm so grateful to be asked to do it and and grateful to share my updates with the community. And I'm so grateful you say yes and share and are comfortable v- being vulnerable and sharing your authentic experience. Well, I think that if you to go through the experience of HSCT you're being vulnerable to begin with. Mm. You're, you're giving up all, all sense of control to do this. And you're connecting with people in a very vulnerable space and it becomes a safe space in a very close knit community. So if I, if I wasn't vulnerable and I didn't share this stuff, I don't know. It just doesn't feel honest to me. Well, it doesn't feel like you. And it doesn't feel like me. No. I mean, that's just who I am. So I don't want to hold it back and pretend that, you know, everything's, you know, rainbows and butterflies all the time because it's not. No, life is not. No. No. It's not easy being a human. No. And just (laughs) we had the transplant doesn't mean that, you know, we feel perfect all the time. No. Oh, right. I mean, gee whiz, when I was so sick over Thanksgiving with whatever it was. Like I got better and then I got worse. And I thought it was COVID, but it wasn't COVID. And I was just miserable. All the old stuff, all the old complications just flare right back up. And so then I'm super paranoid, right? What if my MS is back? And I don't think that's ever going to go away. I don't think so. I don't think so because I have the same thing. That's why I said you know, I need to do this, this MRI with gadolinium because whatever these headaches are or whatever this neck issue is that I have, it, it causes this numbness in my feet and in my hands. And you need weak- peace of mind and weakness sometimes. And I need that peace of mind that, you know, is there something new or is it just that it causes that, that old stuff to come up? Right irritated. And hopefully that's all it is. Right. Have you done, I'm surely you have MRIs of your brain and C-spine because you've had so many lesions in your neck. Yes. So the reason that I ended up doing the transplant was because I have a double lesion on my C2, C3. Mm -hmm. And 
that's where my neurologist was like, um, this has gotten to a point of this is the danger zone. And also the last big attack I had before I went for the transplant was my frontal lobe took a really big hit. Mm. I had, that was the lesion I had that they couldn't get the, the, the flare up I had lasted almost a year. Mm. And I'd been on so many rounds of steroids. And when I went for the consult with Dr. Burt, I was actually in an active attack at the time. So I was on steroids up to the day of the transplant. Right. And up until the day I went to start my treatment. And he said the same thing. He said, if you, you know, you're basically, if your cervical spine takes one more hit, you will be paralyzed from mm. the neck down. Like you'll lose all function and all four of your limbs. That and I had was to have been terrifying. It was terrifying. And to hear it from both, you know, my doctor of, of at the time, he, I had been with him, you know, I guess 10 years. And, and then to hear it from Dr. Burt also after examining my, you know, MRIs and, and also to know that at that time I was 47 years old and that that major frontal lobe attack you know, I had already been getting forgetful and I had so many black holes and so many, you know, I had at that time I had, I guess they had lost count at, you know, 60 plus lesions in my brain. Mm. But this one really hit major and I was losing my ability to kind of um, my thought process was what was just I was losing it. I was basically starting to go into early onset dementia at 47. And one of the things that they wanted to try was a Alzheimer's patch, mm. which, you know, I don't, I'm not sure at this point why I could go back and say why, cause I don't know the answer, but I was refusing to take it. And maybe that was just denial. You know, I could, I could say today, five and a half years later, probably was denial, you know, denial that I didn't want to believe that that was happening. I can also look back and, and say, you know, I could sit in a room full of people or sit at dinner and I couldn't process what was happening. I couldn't contribute to conversations mm -hmm. anymore. I couldn't um, understand what was going on. I mean, I just couldn't make sense of things anymore. My cognition was so bad. Um, so, you know, I'm just, I'm just grateful. <laughs> right. That's really what I'm going to say is I'm just really grateful for Dr. Bird. So. So grateful. Same. So grateful. I feel beyond grateful for his dedication to the research, even when people were doubting him. Right. Yeah. Or just the tenacity it took. Having read his book now twice. <laughs> I When I first received it as an early copy because of prepping for the podcast. And mm -hmm. because our stories are in it, but um, right. I got through it in two days. I could not put it down. Hmm. Um, wow. And I just love how he talks about how the challenges he faced, right, with submitting papers and publication for publication, but like no neurological journal would publish his research because it wasn't grounded in neurology. It was autoimmune. Right. Till the Lancet published him, which is a very prestigious journal. You know, he tried for so long to just get people to pay attention to him. And now, <laughs> now, finally, now, finally, it's hard to ignore the results that he's found. And right. I love that he points to how harsh myeloablative protocols truly are and unnecessary. I think that's been his soapbox from the beginning, right? So he tells this story in the book about one of the first patients, they insisted they also use total body irradiation, along with the chemo and treat it like a cancer. Well, that was way too harsh and way unnecessary. So he started make, making the case like, I think we can do this and it be less toxic. And everyone was like, oh, good luck with that. So he cycled through two or three, three different protocols before he kind of landed on ATG instead of something else that caused like a year or two post-transplant. People were finding issues with 
I can't remember. Something with the blood <laughs> um, that could cause like internal bleeding. And he said, I don't want to take the chance that a patient won't understand and have this complication and two years later be bruised and end up dying from internal bleeding and not realize that this is something caused by the transplant, whatever drug it was he was using in that protocol. So it takes time, right, to process and find the ideal for every patient, right, treating individuals as unique individuals and unique cases of whatever autoimmune disease and then tailoring the protocol to those individuals and doing so in the safest manner possible for him to be so dedicated to that. And he has dedicated his life to it. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, I am, I'm beyond grateful. And I know that everybody, you know, there are people that they listen, everybody has their right to their thoughts and their opinions. And, but I will never forget what he did for me mm. during the day and the time he gave to me because of, because of the experience that I went through there, you know, not just my treatment, but the additional experiences that happened during my stay. Um, his compassion was incredible. So I won't forget that. No, I don't think it's possible. And to, and the way that he was able to, you know, help me conquer the fear because of the other situation that was, that was happening and to, you know, put my fears, you know, the best he could at, at ease, you know, really just helped so much. Phenomenal human being. Oh, I'm and very, I will always be so grateful to him for one, saving my life and mm -hmm. giving me back, you know, a life that I could now build upon in a new way. And it sounds like you're really doing the good work of building a healthy foundation for yourself yet again, whether it's food, but also mindset and recognizing when it's a struggle and then seeking out the help you need. It's so important. It is. And hopefully, you know, hopefully one day soon I'll, I'll be able to go back to teaching what I've learned, you know, and maybe go back to coaching and and maybe focus on menopause, you know, support and doing, for folks with menopause. Yeah. And doing that work again. Um, you know, I love yeah, it would be amazing someday for you to have that space again, because I think at least for me, right, with interviewing folks and supporting them and sharing their story on the podcast has been a huge part of my own healing journey. And I can imagine that being a health coach right? And, and supporting people along their journey. Yeah. Also lends itself to reflection on ways that you're also then supporting yourself. Right. Right. Absolutely. I, uh, and I look forward to, to hopefully getting back to it someday soon. Well, you got to take care of you first, right? You have to be whole. That's right. And that's what I, that's what I realized. And that's why I've done what I've done, which was step away and take the time to make sure that I'm in a good space before I make sure everybody else is in a good space. Cause mm -hmm. that was, that's what I always did. I always made sure everybody else was in a good space before I ever worked on myself. And it got to a place where the last client, when, the, when I had my last client and her program ended, I remember sitting down and I remember saying to myself, wow. I've held space emotionally for everybody my whole life, even as, even as a child. And I never held space for my own emotions. And I, and then it was time it was time to step back and do it for me and start unpacking. Yeah. And, um, I didn't know what that was going to look like, but I needed to do it for me. Mm. 
so that when the time comes that I can go back to doing it for other people, that my space is very full and ready. So. I'm so grateful that you've devoted time to yourself to yeah. work through this. Mm-hmm. Everyone deserves that space, right? And I feel ever since August, when I got back on my yoga mat, I feel like I've been really de- dedicating that time. And it's, it's good to do it. And I'm getting to the point where I feel guilty when I don't make the time. Because I know that's, I deserve it, right? Yeah, that's a good feeling. Everyone deserves that time and space. Uh, absolutely. And you, and sometimes you don't know that you do until you actually really take the time and do it. And then all of a sudden you realize, oh my God, I really do need this. How did I function before I started? <laughs> How did I function <laughs> not doing this? Yeah. Right. And you really didn't. You just, you, you halfway did. Right. And you were plowing, at least I was plowing through, right? Like I would do my best to just make it through the day and then crash in bed. But I think that we ended up the way we were. Absolutely. In our diseases, the way we were, because I mean, I can, I can't speak for you, but I know for me, I ended up the way I was because I was, I was looking through one solid lens of just keep going. You know, I, I never liked was I always use this phrase, I never took to the bed. You know, I got up, I got dressed. I mm-hmm. did that, that whole statement, get up, get dressed, go to life. And I did it every day. And I just, I just looked ahead and I did what I had to do. But that's all I knew. Do what you have to do. And then at the end of the night, collapse, go to bed and do it again the mm-hmm. next day. And I never took the time for myself, ever. And I remember when I was going through my second divorce, the, I was, we were seeing a therapist and I, I will never forget this, Jen. Like I can photographically put myself back on her sofa. I can look, look, close my eyes and see her office. And I was sitting there and she said to me, so what do you do for yourself for joy? What do you mm. do? And, oh, well, I do this for my daughter and I do this for this. And she said, no, 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 no. What do you do for you for joy? And when I tell you that I couldn't come up with it, like she was, she couldn't understand that I couldn't understand the question. And it was, I mean, this is now, that was in in 2011 Mm. and now we're in 2023. And how would you answer the question now? And believe it or not, I'm still figuring it out. How's that for an answer? Mm. It sounds very human. (laughs) That that question that that therapist, Janet, (laughs) asked me that day still is in my mind Mm. rolling around. And I'm getting better, but it's still there. All these years later, I'm still trying to find the answer. Now, one of the answers is that I took a leap of faith by moving to Key West a few years ago Mm. and I'm getting better at answering the question. So, which is that I have made the decision to stay here um, on my own. I just recently actually rented a house, a little house on my own. Nice. Right. Like my backyard actually is the ocean. Mm. Um. So when I look out all the, every window of my living room, my kitchen, and I walk out the door, my entire, everything looks right out to the ocean. Mm. Um, so it's incredibly peaceful. Um, so I would say right now I'm finding that answer in finding my most authentic self here in this place of Key West. I've ha- I, I have found my most grounded self here, which is why I made the decision to stay here right now and not go back to Philadelphia. Because I think I'm finding those answers that that therapist asked me in 2011. Well, (laughs) and you deserve that time and space. It's taken a little while to answer it, but I'm getting closer. Well, maybe the answer will be continually evolving, right? Yeah. Maybe 
the point is that you just ask yourself the question. I always ask myself the question. And I recently just started therapy again. I just, uh, just recently, a couple of weeks ago and, um, decided to go back to therapy to uncover. And that conversation came up. I told him about that. And so we are uncovering, we're working on that now, which is let's go back to that question you were asked in 2011. Mm. And let's see if we can discover. So he asked me a question the other day at the end of the session, which was now is your time to discover what kind of woman do you want to be today? And what kind of life do you want to craft for yourself now? So that's what we're working on. I love it. Yeah. Love so it. I think that is always evolving, as you said. Yes. Mm. For all of us. Right. Where do we find? I don't think there is one answer. No, it's multiple answers along the journey. Mm-hmm. Yep. Or maybe some people find one thing that brings them joy in the day. Right? Maybe, maybe they do. I think, but I think for a lot of people that answer changes over time. Mm. And it's, it's several things. So. I'm finding joy in our conversation and I just appreciate always. you so much. I appreciate you too. And thank you again for asking me to do this interview. I appreciate it. I can't imagine a season without you. I don't like, I think <laughs> if I ever texted you and said, Hey, Allie, it's about time to record a new season. What do you think? If you were to ever say no, <laughs> I, I don't, I don't know what I would, I don't think, I don't think I could open a new season. I don't think that will ever happen. Don't worry. <laughs> I don't know what, I don't know what reason would ever, I don't think there could be a reason that I would never say no, that I would ever say no. I really appreciate you. Because I, I love our conversation and I love the, I love the reason that we do it. So, right. You know, the reason that you started it, the reason that mm -hmm. you're on and, and, um, the lives that, you know, the lives that you're changing because of the information you're putting out there. Thank you for what you do. Mm. Thank you for helping me do it. Mm. Thank you for being there along the way um, and always supporting the vision and effort to just help people find this sooner in their course of disease so that they can at least make an informed decision. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. They deserve that. If, if I can save one person from struggling to walk like I do, it would make my day every day. Absolutely. So, yeah, Absolutely. that's this is the journey. This is our journey here on the podcast. Absolutely. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Allie Strong. Thank you, Zen Jen. <laughs> it will be great to connect with you again in about six months, if not before. And so yeah. take good care of yourself and continue you that good dedication and good work of self-care. You too. You too. You too. Be well. Oh, you too. Take care. All right. Bye-bye. Bye -bye. Be sure to visit hsctwarriorspodcast.org where you can find notes from today's episode, submit ideas or feedback, and connect with resources and the HSCT Warriors Incorporated nonprofit. As always, special thanks to musical genius Billy Allitzauser for sharing his superpowers to create, soundtrack, edit, and produce the audio to make this podcast possible. You can find us both when you subscribe on SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you find podcasts. 
It has been amazing to connect with warriors worldwide, and we would love to hear from you about how the podcast has helped your journey with autoimmune disease. Take a moment to connect with us on Instagram or share this episode with someone you know that would enjoy listening. In the meantime, we hope you'll tune in next Wednesday for another episode highlighting another HSCT warrior. Until then, be a snowflake and embrace your superpowers. Be kind. Be well. Jen Stansberry Koenig and the producers disclaim medical influence and responsibility for any possible adverse effects from the use of information contained herein. If you think you have a medical problem, please contact a licensed physician and take good care of.